He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you on a Monday. It is good to be back in the state of Oklahoma, fellas. It is good to be in the 405. I went up to the Northeast, D.C., New York, spent some time up there, just kind of unplugged for a week. I didn't really miss anything, did I? No, nothing happened while you were gone, right? Yeah, pretty pretty quiet week on the home front. So yeah, anyways, yeah, nothing we, in a 405 We can go ahead and start the Pistols Firing podcast. If you want to. <laughs> right? I actually, this afternoon, Carson Cunningham and I will do the Pistols Firing Podcast, and it's going to be a blast because he's been getting just railed on Twitter for talking about the little 12 that's now going to exist potentially without OU in Texas. But we'll talk about all that coming up here in a little bit. I might even re- recap my vacation later on in the show. But right now, fellas, we have a new champ at the 3M. Cameron Champ wins by two at 15 under par after what was a questionable decision to pull his driver and then what was an even more questionable decision to snap hook his driver on the 18th <laughs> hole with a one-shot lead, which, of course, is a par five. Uh, but he gets it done. Cameron Champ now has seven top tens on the PGA Tour in his career. Three of them are wins. Cameron Champ has more PGA Tour wins than Louis Oosthuizen and Tony Finau combined. Make it make sense, guys. Make Ironically. It make sense. Your boy Louis Oosthuizen finished second in this tournament. Is that, is that ironic or is that <laughs> incredibly predictable? I, I said it on our previous show. I thought he was going to miss the cut. How, how can you go off of the momentum of not winning after having the uh, solo lead after each round of the Open and then not win and then come across the pond and finish second again? It's it's pretty confusing, but it's impressive. It, it's not like it's not like he was. It, it was like the exact opposite of last week for Louis. He was he never really was in contention. He just kind of backdoored the second place. Like yeah. he, he never really thought that he. Besides the fact of Champ choking he on the last few on eighteen, he did. Yeah, I mean he was the fact that he played so good after that and shot five under. But I mean you you look at the analytics guys and look at Cameron Champ. Every single round he gained more than a stroke putting, and three of the four he gained more than two strokes around putting and you get a bomber that can make putts I mean we talked about it with Morikawa the difference is is that instead of bombing it he just hits it close every time and I just think that this is kind of going towards the trend of where the game is where if you get a guy who's hits as far as Cameron Champ does starts making some putts how in the world are you going to beat the guy and he had been horrible on the year putting outside the top 200 outside the top 200 200. strokes gain coming in this year in this week finished first this week in strokes gain putting I listened to his interview on uh, PGA Tour Radio right after the round, and he basically said that it's between the ears. He said he didn't change anything technique. Nothing was different about putting. It was just between the ears. Mentally, he was confident, and he was rolling the rock, and here he is a winner again. Yeah, and the whole thing about putting is you want to be reactive, you know, because golf is such a proactive game, and you have to get yourself uh, like everything that stays in motion, or everything that is in motion stays in motion. And so basically what I liked from Cameron Champ's putting stroke, at least, was he did that forward press, and then it was it was take a look, forward press, go. And I feel like a bunch of bad putters, they it, they tend to freeze over the ball, and I didn't see any of that from Cameron Champ uh, this week, obviously. I mean, he led the field in strokes game putting. By the way, boys, I I had... Louis Eustazen is one of my picks. I had Jonathan Vegas 
in my DraftKings lineup. I had Tringali, uh, who I liked as well, and somehow I still don't win any money. <laughs> I mean, this that's the ultimate Sam Humphreys. I'll, I'll say this. It was a big week for you in the one-and-done, though, because I totally forgot that golf existed. I went to D.C. and forgot golf was a thing. I didn't submit any picks on any platform anywhere, and you had Louie in the one-and-done, so you picked up 499000 on me this week, so you're only 20000 back of me this week uh, now in the one and done. Taylor, you are still a good about five and a half million clear of Sam and I, but in the big pool, I saw you drop from first to third, so we're going to need a couple of winners here in the near future. Well, you know, you, you hadn't looked in a while. I, I dropped from first to third after the Open. I was lucky to not go from first to tenth. If Louie had won, that's where I would have been. Oh. So, so I mean, it's it's really lucky that, that happened, but you know what? We're, we don't have a one-and-done pick this week with, with the Olympics, but ten events left after that, but we do have the Olympics. We will have DraftKings Olympics to talk about, so got a lot going on on that front, and you know, just a little slight side note before we talk more golf. It's been fun watching some of the other Olympic events so far over the weekend. It has. Handball we'll, this morning. We'll get into that. Handball we'll, is electric. We'll get into that. I really want to talk about uh, Austin Ekro. I mean, four yes, under sir. on the final day. Had it to five under until I tweeted about it, and then I jinxed him, and he finished at four under. Uh, he was five under through 15 at 10 under total. Luckily, that one shot didn't cost him the top 10, because even if he would have been at 10 under, he still would have been tied for 11th. So he ended up, ends up tied for 16th with our boy Bobby Gellerman, uh, who we were talking with on Twitter last night, which was pretty funny. Uh, and then Bo Van Pelt at 7-under, tied for 28. So three guys uh, from the Oklahoma area really playing some good golf this week at the 3M. And then, by the way, so last night on Twitter, Harry Higgs goes on Twitter and says, hey, ask me any questions. I'm whatever, in the airport or something, uh, trying to waste some time. And so I send in a I send in a little tweet from the 73rd Hole podcast, and I say, who would win a seven-game beer pong series between you and Bobby Gellerman? Uh, and he comes back and he says, me, no doubt. And then Bob comes back. Do you, do you have this pulled up, Colby? And, and, and Michael Gellerman comes back and he says, uh, you, you know who daddy is or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, you don't even drink shit beer. Talk. Gellerman said, LOL, stop. <laughs> he knows who is his daddy. Uh, Harry Higgs said, me, no doubt. And Michael Gellerman said, you don't even drink beer. Don't lie to the people at Harry Higgs, which I tell you what. And then, he, the, and then Harry Higgs later on said, yeah, I, I would get smoked. I, uh, I, I tell you what, I have a hard time believing that a peak athlete like Harry Higgs... <laughs> Doesn't drink any beer? Or, I mean, isn't at least down in a few clubbies. I mean, Harry Higgs is pounding some clubbies at the golf course. They, they did call themselves Team Tito's, so maybe he just stays away from the... Uh, okay, maybe he's a liquor guy? Yeah, maybe I'm the same so. way. I don't drink beer. But yeah. Tequila, vodka, in. Beer, out. I guess my thing. one of the things I noticed once you got older was... Me and, me and Kobe... Kobe didn't drink when he was younger, but the whole thing was you would pour the beer into the cups... But and then, but as you got older, you wouldn't do that because the the fuzz would be on the ball and <laughs> because get in it's the, disgusting and it's gross and the beer would sit there and get hot. And then you just play beer pong with water. Yeah, and yeah. so then you can and have drink any, a beer. Then you can have any drink that you want alongside with yeah. it because then you you can't do mixed drinks and beer pong because then that just I mean you play one game. At so most, the alcohol doesn't done. kill the germs. I, even if it does, it still tastes like ass. So I am going to stay away from any fuzz. And especially when so we're... So who are you guys taking? Sam, are you taking Harry Higgs or are you taking Bobby? Sam, we're I mean, playing the, beer pong in Chickasha. You have to think of the foreign substances that are on are, are in that city. Yeah. This wasn't Edmund. We didn't have people coming by sweeping our streets, cleaning up our yards and our houses. I'm glad y'all are well-liked in Chickasha. I wouldn't want to get on their bad side. And Chickasha loves us. Hopefully they do. I don't think we said anything untrue or overtly negative about Chickasha. 
just, I mean, there, there's some, some foreign substances uh, laying around. By the way, while we are showing love to the Oklahoma guys, I just have to say, I wasn't here last week to celebrate him. I'm sure y'all did. Taylor Moore is 52 under par in his last eight rounds of golf. He gets his first win on the Corn Ferry Tour last week. This week, he finishes solo second behind a Sunday 62. He has moved up so far in the Corn Ferry points list. Also, I saw this morning that the Corn Ferry Tour tweeted out, Max McGreevy has cr- crossed the points threshold. He has locked up his card for next week. It is a good Good time to be a golfer from the state of Oklahoma. These guys are lighting it up. Talk about the clutch gene from Taylor Moore. I mean, sitting outside the top 25 just a few tournaments ago and to to win and then uh, obviously just secure your tour card. I mean, talk about just all that pressure and just putting all of that pressure to the side. Uh, and Taylor Moore just getting it done on the Corn Ferry Tour, like you said, along with Max McGreevy. Uh, and guys like uh, Charlie Saxon can still make a run in that uh, playoff format that they have for the Corn Ferry Tour as well. I think he's sitting right around 50. Let's look at Charlie Saxon is currently 56th. Taylor Moore is all the way up to 4th, guys. Taylor Moore is behind only Steven Yeager, Mito Pereira, and Chad Ramey. Uh, he's ahead of guys like Davis Riley, who's had a great season. Will Zalatoris has fallen back to 8th now. Uh, because he stopped playing the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously. Adam Svensson, you'll notice that name. He's been on the PGA Tour quite a few times. Uh, he's in there as well. So, But there's some big names that are just outside the top 25. Ollie Schneiderjans down at 34. Peter Uline is at 30. There's some guys. Tyson Alexander at 36. Uh, some Where guys is that Creel are fighting. on that list? Where is Creel? Let's look he's and see. He's right around the same area as Charlie. 64th. 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 Okay. So top 75, obviously, is huge. Top 75 qualifies for the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Uh, Kevin Doherty and Grant. Grant Hirschman, former Cowboy and former Sooner, currently sits 77th and 78th on that list. One important thing about finishing in the top 75 that I don't think we mentioned is it guarantees that you'll have Corn Ferry status for yep. next year, which is something that's very important because we always talk about getting to the next level, yep. but sometimes you need a couple of years out on there to get to get your feet wet. Yep. And so one thing I want to point out is that I remember back when COVID first happened and we first realized that it was going to be essentially a two-year uh, point system to count, I was thinking, man, I thought Taylor Moore right around the same time was playing some pretty good golf. I thought it kind of screwed him that when COVID happened, but it turns out that it gave him just enough time to finally start getting hot, and yep. now he's up to fourth. So yep. I think that things that can seem like a, a curse at the time can end up being blessings in disguise. It was perfect, too. Uh, good point, T-Dub. And uh, let's not forget that Taylor Moore still has a bunch to play for uh, in this Corn Ferry final playoff. I, I, I mean, you can – up your status for the PGA Tour so much, whether you finish first to 25th, even though all those guys will secure a tour card. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. And, uh, you know, if he can get more wins, I mean, you're playing for money. You're playing for points. You're playing for status. All of that stuff goes a long, long way uh, toward future success. So it's been a great couple of weeks. Like I said, 52 under par in his last eight rounds of golf. It's just, uh, what is that? That's six and a half under Per round over an eight round stretch. That is just. Is that good? It's unfathomable. It's <laughs> unfathomable to me. Hey, I want to circle back real quick back to the 3M. I have kind of maybe an unpopular opinion. I don't know if people agree with this or not, but I find Cameron Champ as maybe the most boring golfer on the PGA Tour. Now, define boring. Okay. Because we were kind of talking about this before the show, and I was a little confused. What, define boring. Okay. Number one. Well, I, I guess I'll start by this. It was not boring how he played the 18th hole. Uh, I don't know what the hell he was thinking hitting driver off that hole. All you got to do is hit two iron, which he had striped off the tee like previous four 
par four tee shots that he hit. But, um, you know, and, and then obviously ended up getting it done. And he said that, you know, he's going to make at least a bogey if he hits driver every time just down the left side. But I disagree. I think you put it in the fairway and then lay up, lay up, and win. But, anyways, I'm not talking about necessarily his golf. He just has no reaction, number one. Number two, he plays extremely slow. He's a very slow player, uh, he, especially all day. They kept blaming it on the wind and everything, and but I mean, was it a wall of wind? The do- was Dottie <laughs> Pepper the one blaming? <laughs> I know it's CBS, but I don't think she was there. I don't know, but I know that Colt Nose kept talking about that. They kept you know kind of debating on club selection because of the wind. But, I mean, man, he was really, really slow coming down the stretch. Not even coming down the stretch. Even on the front nine, he was being extremely slow. But And he has no reaction until he makes that uh, putt at the end. And then he in his interview, he kind of opens up a little bit. But just watching him play, I even had a buddy who doesn't really watch golf. Uh, and he was watching it with his son. And he goes, man, he takes forever to hit the ball, doesn't he? And I, I hadn't really like paid attention to it all day. And then I, I paid attention on probably like the last six holes. And he really does. He takes forever. And, and, and that's part of it. Maybe the no reaction, no smile kind of part of it. Um, but, I mean, you can't debate that he played great golf. I'm just saying maybe not the most entertaining player to watch. I, I will say he definitely is one of those guys who, you know, some guys just try to never get too high, never get too low, always stay in the middle. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, it works. Right. But I'm saying just as an entertainment factor. I'm not saying that he should do anything different. Obviously, what he's doing is working. I just think it was kind of, you know, not See, fun to watch. I like watching Cameron Champ because I know – that he could shoot 78 today. I also know that he could shoot 63 and win the golf tournament. And maybe when you're watching him shot by shot, maybe it isn't as entertaining. But usually whenever I see him, because I went through a phase last summer, you can have to say that, I went through a phase where, for whatever reason, I just, I felt like it was Cameron Champ's week. Like, three out of four weeks a month, I'd be like, Cameron Champ, like, all he's got to do is get a few putts to go in, and it's going to be his week. And it seems like every time he gets a few putts to go in, he wins. He's won three times and seven top tens in his career on the tour. I will say this. It's really, really impressive what Cameron Champ has done. I remember I was at an AJGA in Puerto Rico and I had dinner with uh, one of my other buddies who knew Cameron uh, and Cameron and his dad had dinner with us and he wasn't like a world beater back then and that was probably when we were like 15, 16 years old. Uh, he definitely wouldn't have been a guy that I would have been like he's going to win twice on the PGA Tour you know, before the age of 30. And, and he has gone out there and he's gotten so much better. He's learned how to control his speed uh, and obviously uh, is getting the putter working somehow after having a terrible year putting this week. He was great. Um, so it's just really impressive what he's done. I just mean when I say boring, I think that it's just, you know, an entertainment factor. Like watching Phil, it's like that's number one on my list, like most entertaining player to watch just because it's 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 a show it's Desham like DeShambo is the same way I hate the guy but it's entertaining you know yeah. what I mean and so I don't I, I don't hate Cameron Champ by any means actually the opposite I kind of root for him because he's one of the guys I used to play against but I just find him a little boring to watch I guess I I'll, I'll pose two questions to to boast and to to uh, throw your point a little under the rug one is would you rather watch Cameron Champ or Zach Johnson play my answer is Cameron Champ any day I mean I think I don't want to watch yeah, short, I agree. short 270 down the fairway. But yeah. here, but here's a different point. I mean, if you want to play the game, because like you talked about with his slow play, if Cam and Champ hit it 20 yards shorter, how much would you want to watch him? 
you probably know, not very much. And, you know, I mean, it's the bomb factor that that really takes it away. Or yeah. like Colby mentioned, I mean, he can't shoot a seventy-eight on you at any point. And it's a little bit of the a little bit of what makes him entertaining is just the fact that he goes out there and he says, "I was pulling driver no matter what on 18. And yeah. so it's a little bit of the immaturity factor that you might get. Like some great shots or some terrible shots from Cameron Champ. Yeah, and I can't, I wish I remembered the other couple of players that were on the list, but he's one of only uh, four players to have won each of the last three seasons. I know I think JT Morikawa and uh, maybe DJ not, maybe DJ was on there. Probably would have been DJ. It, I know there was only four of them, and it was there was definitely an outlier on that list, and Cameron Champ was the outlier. But yeah. that just goes to show that he's been kind of under the radar with some wins. I know two of his uh, wins before this were during the fall, so it's kind. Kind of the same season, but opposite, not opposite field, but just when the strength of field was lower. But nevertheless, I mean, just just great for him. And if he's if he's going to keep that putter rolling, watch out for him. He might actually get on that streak like you've been looking for for a year and a half now, Colby. Speaking of the putter, too, real quick, Charles Schwartzel has gone to the full Louis pre-shot routine. Did you notice that? Is it a South African thing, I guess, where you well, just go all the way down to the putter? I think that they're just such good buddies, and, and Louie's been the best putter on tour so far this year. I think Charles might be trying to learn something from Louie, but he's going full down, squat, kind of, you know, how Louie does, and then kind of the straight up back. Uh, and so, Charles- so, so are we all going to start trying this now? I might. I mean, are we going to do this tomorrow? <laughs> so we're playing Oak Tree National tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. It's going to yep. be a lot of fun. Uh, I've never played it, so it's going to eat my lunch. I haven't played uh, probably since our July, since Washtenaw Valley in Chickasha. I haven't touched my clubs. They're sitting right behind me in our studio here. haven't touched them. They're going to need a little love today. I'm going to have to talk to them, let them know that they've got a big day coming up. I'm going to need some, some high-level performance out of them, especially my driver. I'm going to have to really talk to my driver. A lot of guys are uh, talking about how much they love their drivers. Ricky talked about how much he loves his driver. Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell tweeted out and said that he loves his driver. Uh, a lot he of guys quoted the tweet that said he led the field in strokes gained driving. And, oh, yeah. And, and said, yeah. I love my driver. By the way, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, not in the Olympics. Yeah. COVID-19. By the way, I mean, when a good guy gets replaced with a good guy, Patrick Reed <laughs> will be taking Bryson DeChambeau's uh, spot. I think Patrick Reed's first question whenever they called him was, uh, what are the rules on uh, spectators and how many cameras will be on property? <laughs> because my understanding is that the tournament will be spectator-free. I really wonder how many cameras they're going to have on property. Is, is Patrick Reed learning that maybe good karma is a thing because he buys... Nick Nick Heinen and Matt Wolf's uh, yep. Chipotle, Chipotle earlier in the week, and and, they, and and bought Chipotle for a fan. Yeah, and a fan, uh, and then he gets you know the call to be on the Olympic team. I mean, maybe good guy know. Patrick Reed. I, are we seeing the turning point in Patrick Reed's <laughs> both personal and professional life, where all of a sudden he's going to become the good guy? Uh, how how much is it going to hurt the pit of our stomachs if he wins a gold medal? Are we sure he paid oh. for those Chipotle bowls? I have a question. I have a legitimate question. I have a legitimate question. Patrick Reed and Victor Hovland go into a playoff for gold. Who are we rooting for? Obviously, Victor. I, I, I'm it's, ob- for- it's obviously Victor, right? I'm rooting for France in the in the Olympics. Yeah, you're rooting for Rosner. Yeah. Yeah, your boy telling me Rosner. France. Well, because at this point, if you just look at total medal count as opposed to who's actually going to win it, and I would – this isn't like the Ryder Cup where it's you either have USA or other, and um, I think that I'm the exact same way because USA is going to have by far the most medals of out of all the sports. So it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if Patrick Reed didn't – but here's another thing. 
I remember last time when Matt Kuchar finished third, he acted like he won a major championship because he got a bronze medal. I don't want Reed to get any medal. I don't want any celebration from Reed. He needs to finish fourth. He's Captain America. He needs to finish fourth. You, you're out on Captain America. I, I will say this. I would rather have Reed finish third instead of four. I, I, we need at least one American in the Col- top three. So, sure. Colby, that, that's what I'm going to say. I know you weren't here last show, but we were talking Ryder Cup, and we were saying who would you pair Bryson with, and then we – couldn't really figure it out, and then we were like, who would you pair Reed with? We couldn't really figure it out, and then we <laughs> came to the conclusion, you pair them together. I love it. And and so the question was, would you root for them or against them? Oh, man. I, I, honestly, it depends who they were playing. If they were playing like Poulter and Molinari, no. if they were playing Poulter and okay. Molinari, I'd root for them. <laughs> if, if they're playing Hovland and, answer, I don't know. Or, and obviously, answer's president's cup who's, an, who's another really Rory. who's another if they were playing hovland and rory i'm rooting american all day that's, prob- a, that's an entirely different deal i'd probably root for hovland and rory and then hope that the americans swept the rest of the matches yeah i'd get greedy because there's this window that you can hit where reed and bryson could struggle oh, and yeah. the americans could still win the Ryder cup and that's the window that i want to hit you're looking at the wrong cup to root for the other team we can give a few points to the international teams we can't give any to the are Europeans. you sure look at melbourne uh, that was one time, and we they gave almost them a, got us uh, once out of how many ever. You want to see how many trophies the European team has? Also, we did give the uh, international team three because we let Patrick Reed play in three team events so that he and Webb lost all three. Because yeah. that was like four days after the uh, incident in the Bahamas. We'll get into the more of the Olympics tomorrow, but I do want to ask you guys this question and maybe ponder it uh, until tomorrow: Ryder Cup or Olympics? Which one's bigger? Oh, Ryder, Ryder Cup, hundred percent. Ryder agree. Cup. I, agree. I, I think the Olympics. Olympic golf for me falls behind all the majors. It falls behind the Ryder Cup. In the players. Uh, it falls behind the players. It falls behind the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think. I mean, no. It's right on par with a WGC event. No, see, I think that I'd rather win a gold medal. Well, 10 million, though. I, but that's like 15 million. Yeah, 15. They upped it. 15. I mean, it's one step. It's right in between the FedEx playoffs and a WGC event, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It, I mean, it's still cool to be the Olympics and to play for your country, but it's, I mean, it's not, it doesn't carry the same weight as as a major championship. If you ask Justin Rose, if he had well, to give up his U.S. openers gold medal, he'd probably give up his gold medal. In the field is, you know, one WD away from being, you know, the John Deere. It is. Yeah, John I Rahm mean, out with COVID again. We don't know if that's uh, a false positive still lingering from his last positive or if he's just the unluckiest guy in the world. But John Rahm's out again. Jorge Campillo taking his place. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that hurts Spain's chances to medal in golf. I Obviously. <laughs> but what I'm saying, well, I want to talk about this for a second. So, I mean, whose testing is wrong? It either has to be the Olympics or the PGA Tour, right? Because surely he's not positive again. No. Surely it's – here's my question. Or, so, or he wasn't positive back then when they cost him $1.7 million. See, I think he was positive back then because didn't he say that he got like some very mild symptoms in between Memorial and the U.S. Open? I think he said he had a couple days of very mild symptoms. So I think he was positive back then, but we've But seen- he got the vaccine since then. He got the vaccine the week of the Memorial. Yes. Yeah, the week of the Memorial. So my – I look. I'm not an epidemiologist. Me either. People but. people have said that you can continue to test positive after you've had it while your body is still continuing to shed the virus. My question is: Is it Japan's fault for testing someone who just came off a COVID positive? Because John Rom's no longer required to be tested on the PGA Tour. 
So this isn't going to happen again on the PGA Tour because he just had it and he just got vaccinated. So is this just Japan being overly cautious? And, and he's played, you know, the British Open since then. Right. And and or, and the U.S. Open since then. He won the U.S. Open. Yeah. After that. And so basically, like, if he is still lingering, then either the PGA Tour isn't doing the the correct testing, right? Or the Olympic testing is, you know, wrong, right? The only thing that messed this up is this whole new Delta variant that came out because they thought about not even having the Olympics again because of all this. I so saw the, that. So they're just, they're just being so super strict on it now. And, I mean, I, I guess I sort of understand that being strict on it, but at the same time, you know, let's have a little common sense on, on the matter. But nevertheless, like we mentioned, if, if the Olympics was in higher regards on our golf standard up towards the majors, I think we'd be a little bit more – App for it, or if, for example, John Rom did another leading after three rounds by six strokes, and they make him withdraw. It's a little bit more of a controversial story, but having or, him, or, or if he was like forty-two years old, yeah, very good. John Rom's young; he's going to play in probably three or four more Olympics. That's very true, and so I, I think that at and at, at this point, it's just the Olympics being really overcautious. At the end of the day, I think so opinion, too. In yeah. my opinion, I think so too. And our testing's probably better than the PGA Tour's testing. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, maybe. Oh, or at least more strenuous. Oh, what they're having to right? do, they're having to test, from what I understand, from what I've seen of the Olympic coverage, they have to test every day, every morning by 10 o'clock, and they have to put their temperature, they have to take their temperature and put it into a system that catalogs it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, hopefully there's no more withdrawals. I mean, there's guys over there, and I know they're being strict. You, you go to the golf course, you go back to your hotel room, but I mean, hopefully nobody else tests positive because last thing we need is more withdrawals, more guys not having a chance to compete for a gold medal. One thing we do know is that uh, John Rahm's going to win the FedEx Cup now. You're right. John Rahm <laughs> bounces back for, with, with yeah. a win. He gets, the week off. he gets the week off, doesn't have to go all the way to Tokyo and all the way back and all that stuff. He's just going to take the week off, take it easy, hang out with the kid and the wife. And It is going to be an exhausting week for the Olympians or because it's not yeah. full Olympic experience. I mean, you're flying all the way over there. You're separated from your family. You're to the course, back to the hotel. You're, I mean, isolated. It's going to be a, a long, exhausting week for the Olympians. Now, whoever medals, obviously, will be worth it. But, I mean, if you go over there and, you know, you have high expectations, you play bad. I mean, if Morikawa goes over there and finishes 17th or something like that, I mean, it's going to be like, God, that was a long week for a little bit of payout. Yeah. But, I mean, that's or in the, this that's case, literally no payout. Literally no payout. You're right. You're playing yeah. for your country. Uh, all right. So, while I was gone, I saw via the 73rd Twitter account, 73rd whole Twitter account that we have hooked up with Clubby. I love me some Clubbies. I was thrilled for this news. Clubby is a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma staple. The club special, the official seltzer of slicing limes, not swings. Lemon and lime natural flavoring, only 4 grams of carbs, 2 grams of sugar, 100 calories. You want to have this thing with you on the golf course on these hot summer days. It has electrolytes, does not contain artificial flavors, 5% ABV. Uh, that's alcohol content, obviously perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course specifically formulated for golfers of every handicap makes shooting anything over 110 bearable the freshest smoothest leanest greenest number one seltzer in golf that is clubby spelled exactly like you think c-l-u-b-b-y clubby seltzer go pick yourself up one today and go enjoy a nice day on the links fellas 
A lot of golf was played this last week. Do we want to uh, go ahead and dive into the conference stuff, or do we want to take a break, gather our thoughts, and then dive into conference realignment that's headed our way? Well, I think that before we get into conference realignment, because this doesn't affect just football like everyone thinks, this leads down to all sports, including golf, which you'll get into. But I think it's a nice segue because 3M and the Olympics have something in common, guys, and that was Ricky Fowler this week. I wanted to know what y'all's thoughts were on him. It seemed like he had it rolling there for a while on, um, I think it was Saturday, I believe he was six under through ten holes, then ends up finishing like bogey, bogey, double or tri- tri- triple, triple. Made triple. A snowman on eighteen. Yep. Snowman on eighteen. By the way, chunked it in the water. Eighteen was playing incredibly hard after Saturday. The eighteenth hole was playing thirty-five over, and the rest of the course was playing eighty-five under. Wow! After it was either after Friday or Saturday, it was the hardest hole on the course. Man, I think it was insane. Saturday. You you asked about Ricky. Ricky started wearing sunglasses at the PGA. Uh, before glass, before his sunglasses, uh, he was minus seventeen point four on the year strokes gain putting. Since glasses, yeah, and, and since the that glasses, was before, since, before glasses. Glasses, since glasses, he was positive twelve point oh five. That's impressive. That's impressive. I mean, so, I don't so, know, just seeing the break better. So I guess is it prescri- are these prescription sunglasses or yes. are they just regular sunglasses? Yes, prescription sunglasses. Well, are then they? that well then that explains it. Yeah. Because yeah, then yeah, you, can just see, you can just see the break better. One more so. thing on Louie. Louie has earned $4.3 million in his last seven events. The previous two seasons, Louie earned $3.8 million. Wow. Louie's been on a heater. I mean, minus the trophies. Yep. But Louie's been on a heater. It's here. Here's the question. You got Louie Oostazen. You got Tony Finau. He does his thing. You know, He's consistently a top 15 to 20 player in the world. Doesn't win. You've got Cameron Champ. Seven top tens in his career. But three of those are wins. I mean, what's what's the difference? I mean, obviously, you just have that that closing factor, a that little bit of luck. factor to win. I'm sure there's a, a little bit of luck to it. It's smaller events that, uh, that Champ has won. It's not like he's contending in majors or anything like that. He did contend at the PGA last year at Harding Park. But I don't know. I just I see Louis Oosthuizen, who's been unbelievable, just out of this world good. But then I see Cameron Champ, who has been outside the top 200 in putting this year, has missed a bunch of cuts, but then he has a good week and he hoists a trophy. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know which one of those you would prefer. It's one of the Louis way up there, but Champ's hoisting trophies. One of the best quotes I ever heard was from my college coach at Tulsa, Coach Brogdon, uh, would always say, to win a tournament, you got to beat a guy that careers it because someone's going to career it every single tournament. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I would say that whenever you look at it, so like for example, Louie and Fiennai, like you mentioned, it's they've been out here for years, 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 and what happens? Exact same thing. They don't win. Um, besides the the one open that was eleven years ago, and Fiennai winning in Puerto Rico, what, whatever you want to call it. Nevertheless, it's a trend. They keep finishing second. I noticed with Louie, he does it in different ways. Like, this one was more of a backdoor. Some of his majors have been backdoors. But, like we saw at the Open Championship and the U.S. Open, he has leads and just isn't able to get it done. And I think a lot of it is, like what you mentioned, Colby, at the Open, the leaving putt short, the the transition in, in, his, in his swing. So, I think there's a mm-hmm. little bit something mental there. And another guy you throw in that group, Xander Schauffele, isn't able to get the job done on a lot of occasions. Mm-hmm. So, I think that for a lot of these guys – it can just be, have you been in the situation before, and then how do you let those emotions ride with you? Because some, I guarantee you someone like Louie and Fina, for them to keep doing what they're doing and finishing second, 
there has to be something that clicks in their brain whenever they get in the competition of basically they want to not they want they're scared of failing as much as they are of winning if that makes sense I probably phrased that wrong no but it, yeah no I, I, would, I, I know what you mean they, they they get so tight because they have a chance to win that it ends up working against them here's my question Louis Finau Xander who hoists the trophy next. Louie, he's been playing too good, and I'm a firm believer that if you keep playing that good at golf, eventually you're going to figure out a way to get it done, and I think that Louie wasn't in that position for so long that you kind of have to be – same thing we talk about with Spieth. It, you have to be in that position to learn how to win, and I think that Louie is figuring out what he's doing wrong, and if he keeps playing that good at golf, which isn't necessarily a given – but, I mean, it's all year he's played great. Four point whatever million that, that I just said um, that he's made on in his last seven events. But I think if, if you keep playing that good of golf and, and eventually you're going to not get quite as nervous in that situation and you're going to remember the things that didn't let you succeed in the past. And so I think that Louie is probably the guy on that list that I would take. To Tyler, Louis Xander Fino. I think Xander wins a playoff event. You think Xander wins a playoff event? Wow. I like it. I like mortgage? where you're going with that. No, definitely not the Morgan. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. God, no. No, I'm running as far away from that bet as you can get. It's just, if I had to pick one of them, that's my gut feeling. But I do I do think that, I, I, if I had to pick one of them, I would say Xander. Even though, I thought I thought Fina last week had a chance to get it done, and he had never had a shot. So. I'll, uh, let's just, to keep it fresh, I'll go Fina. I mean, I... I really don't think there's a right answer. I mean, we're talking about three guys here who haven't won. I mean, Louie hasn't won in 11 years on the PGA Tour. Uh, Tony Fina hasn't won since the Puerto Rico in 2016. And Xander has not won since the 2019 <laughs> Tournament of Champions. It's, Might be 2018. It's, we uh, we got to put a pizza on this. Two and a half years. It'll be three years in January. So yeah. it'd be the 2019 Tournament of Champions. We got to put a pizza on this because if people have been following our, following our show since the start of this season, I had a bet where I had Finau and you had Spieth. Yeah. Yes. And yes. you won that bet. And so now you no, have got now. Yeah. I got Louie and you got Xander. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. First one to win. Pizza bet on it. Some, some In a few years, somebody will have to pay this off. Yeah. I mean, assuming one of these guys ever hoists a trophy again, we'll have to pay this off at some point. After the break, I do want to get into the U.S. Junior a little bit, too. Okay, sweet. We will definitely do that. Real quick, we, we totally deviated from our, our question about your question about Ricky. I uh, Man, I was out in, in D.C., and I saw how great he played on Thursday. He was 7-under, you know, tied for the lead, and then he finishes the tournament at 6-under, T-34. It was, it was pretty disappointing. I was hoping he could at least, even if he didn't win the tournament, I was hoping for a good, solid top-10 finish, something to build on and you know Saturday when he chunked that third shot in the water on 18 and then sent it long ends up making the triple I, I just thought it was really deflating for him on, on the week to to play so great on Thursday and then just have it kind of the wheels came off and uh he ends up playing one over in his final 54 holes so I I, I was pretty disappointed and how it finished for Ricky. Yeah, I would have I would have said what kind of odds could you have got after the first round? Ricky shoots 64, Eckroat shoots 73, and Eckroat ends up beating him by three shots. So, wow, I mean, wow. it goes to show yeah. that that even though the first round is really the most important analytically, if you don't play the next 54 holes well, it doesn't mean a damn. Yeah, and on Saturday, Ricky uh, had an eight on number 18, and he was tied for seventh when that happened. Uh, when After that happened, he was tied for 30th. That final group actually took 29 minutes to play the 18th hole we actually saw Sung Kang uh, who was in 21st and ended up 67th uh, after the 18th hole with a 12 
on number 18 Whoa! Uh, on Saturday. And then Adam Hadwin made a 7 uh, and dropped from 4th to 17th. So that 18th <laughs> hole was a beast of a par 5. I got a so, question. So they, Saturday, did y'all see Gary Woodland miss his tee shot right of the pond? Yes. yes. And he, he stayed in bounds? And he kept being like, go right, go right. And, yes. it, and it somehow stayed, you know, in between the pond and the out-of-bounds line. And he was just sitting there perfect. Able to lay up. And my man JT Poston can't hit his ball at the damn Barbasol Championship. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal. I'm sorry. The the area right of the pond on 18 at the 3M should be out of bounds. You should not be able to hit your tee shot right of that pond. Because how far right was that from where he was aiming? 100 yards? 130? Uh, yeah, it was probably at least 85 yards from the fairway. From uh, the right From the right, right edge of the line. fairway. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was way out there. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about conference realignment, how it impacts college golf. We've got a few questions uh, and people talking about some good things that happen in their game of golf on Twitter. We'll get into all that and much, much more coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRayRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. along here on a Monday, a Cameron Champ Monday, hoist another trophy at the 3M Open this week. Great win for Cameron Champ. Uh, Taylor Moore, second place on the Corn Ferry Tour. A lot of good stuff going on in the game of golf, but fellas, we just have to, uh, we've got to get down the rabbit hole. I'm in D.C. last week, having a good time, really trying to stay somewhat unplugged. Because when you're not home, you just, you don't want to be staring at your phone all week, just looking at Twitter all week, checking everything. And then, all hell breaks loose on the internet, specifically in the Twitter sphere. OU and Texas headed to the SEC. It became official this morning. They released the statement announcing their intentions to head over when the grant of rights expires after the 2025 season. Now, a lot of different things can happen uh, between now and then in terms of, you know, termination fees on your grant of rights with the Big 12 and all that stuff. We don't need to necessarily get down that rabbit hole as, as to when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen, which leaves the Big 12 for all sports, including golf, in a, uh, a bit of a pickle here where they have to decide what is the move going forward, and we don't know if the Big 12 will continue to exist without OU in Texas. It seems like it would be hard to do or at least exist on a, uh, a competitive playing ground with other Power 5 conferences. I mean, without OU in Texas, 
Big 12 really is not much of a Power 5 conference. They'd be a lot closer to a Group of 5 conference than they would be a Power 5, speaking strictly about football at this point. But we know that football is what's going to control who goes where because that's where all the money is. So football will impact golf because OU and Texas aren't going to the SEC because of the golf. They're going because of the football and because of the payouts from football, but it will impact golf and the domino effect that's going to just ricochet through this conference. It's going to be unbelievable. It is. It's going to be a different conference, but it's not going to affect golf or any small sport as much as you would think. Conference is really only one tournament per year, uh, and even though you would have a stacked conference golf-wise in the SEC, you're still going to get into regionals based on your ranking, even if you don't you know, win your SEC championship. So it's really not that big of a deal for golf to change conferences. Go- conferences don't matter really because every single tournament you play is non-conference. You play teams from whatever conference enters that tournament. And so it's really, I, I don't think it's going to change that much as far as, um, you know, OU being in the SEC or if OSU is in a different conference, I don't think it, it's going to matter. OU and OSU are still going to play each other in pretty much every tournament. We see it, you know, Florida State plays against, you know, the best every year. You know, they play against OU and OSU in, in a lot of tournaments. Alabama, same thing when they're good. They play uh, against the best teams. And so I don't think that conferences really matter that much in golf. Yeah, no, no. It's definitely different than football because football you have to make – I mean, we see it. They make schedules 20 years in advance because we have to get all these non-conference games, which is something for OU football you have to notice because most of our non-conference games going forward are against SEC teams. So how's that going to work out? That'll open up (laughs) – that's one of the problems with scheduling. And from the way I understand it, I I read earlier that the Big 12 contract ends in 2025, correct? It runs through 2025, But they can buy out for – Seventy-six million. Yeah, right? seventy-six million each for uh, OU and Texas, which is not much for those schools. Uh yes it's and a no. Lot. Here's what I think the pipe dream is for OU and Texas. The pipe dream is that they say we're just going to stay in the conference until our grant of rights expire, so that we don't have to pay this massive. We'll call it a buyout. It's, it's a termination fee. So they don't have to pay this massive buyout. But if the Big Twelve dissolves after next season, if everybody just goes everywhere else, then. OU and Texas could theoretically get off scot-free, be playing in the SEC in 2022 or 2023, and not have to pay the $76 million termination fee for the grant of rights contract. Now, if the Big 12 decides to stay together, then we could realistically have five more seasons of OU and Texas in the Big 12. But let me ask you this. Wouldn't you know Baylor or a Texas Tech like file some lawsuit and say that they owe us that money? Because obviously they would divvy out the you know, $76 million each yeah, to that's each getting, school. That's getting way too legal for me. I, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. So, clicking here. So, uh, in, in 2019, I didn't have the most recent. 2019 fiscal year, the uh, SEC reported uh, $720.6 million total revenue, and which means that of the 13 schools at the time, they got $45.3 million each. So, I mean – just to me, it looks like you would make up the revenue that you lost in two years anyway if, if you moved. Well, and so it's I, that's just off of that deal, let right. alone all the other stuff. I, I think that it's it's a no-brainer to and, go as soon as you can. And Kerry Murdoch had a great tweet, and it said, Why would OU want to go to the SEC? The CBS-SEC Game of the Week contract, just the Game of the Week contract, was bought by ESPN for $3 billion over 10 years. The current Big 12 contract, television contract on ESPN 
and Fox is paying out $2.6 billion. That's for every single Big 12 game on TV. Yeah, every game, every week, as opposed to just the Saturday 2.30 game or 3 o'clock game on CBS. And my point of bringing that up is we hear right now a lot of kind of, you know, complaining, to put it nicely, from A&M and Missouri. But the problem is... Mostly A&M. 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 Most, a little bit Missouri, you, 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 but you, you, mostly you A&M. You can throw our boys at Arkansas in there, too. That, that, that's too, a little but, bit from them. But here's the deal. It has... They will end up voting. The presidents of Missouri and Arkansas and A&M will end up voting once they see that number that OU and Texas will bring in. If you can up uh, your, you know income for the school from 40 million to 60 million in one year you can't tell those people you know basically if it don't make dollars it don't make sense i I don't think a&m will i think a&m knows that they're going to get in so a&m as a form of protest is going to vote no just because a&m for a decade has been beating their chest like they're superior to texas (laughs) because they're getting beat by alabama in the sec instead of getting beaten by oklahoma in the big 12 the reality is texas and a&m will now have something in common they'll be able to both get beat by Alabama and OU in the SEC. Now, that will make for a loaded golf conference in the SEC because while it won't have a huge impact like week to week on golf, what we had at Prairie Dunes with OSU, Texas, and OU, you know, we've got three holes left and all three of these schools can win the Big 12 championship. Unfortunately, that will go away. OSU will play in another conference. OU and Texas will be SEC. Big 12 was the best golf conference by far last year. Best two teams in the country. I pulled up golf stat rankings right here as of June 4th and I'm looking at the golf stat rankings. One, Oklahoma State. Two, Oklahoma. Three, Pepperdine going down the list here. Uh, But you look at some of these schools from the SEC. Vanderbilt has a great golf program in the SEC. Who else? Texas. Texas A&M has a good golf program. Arkansas. Tyson Reeder. Taylor Moore went to Arkansas. Good golf program. Uh, Alabama's been down, but Alabama historically has a great golf program. Auburn had a pretty good golf program last year. They were in Oklahoma State's uh, regional. If they don't have a kid play the wrong ball on the eighth hole at at Carson and have to cart a, a 14 or whatever it was, maybe they're able to Did get you mention Vanderbilt? And, uh, yeah, Vanderbilt, yep. top, top 10 team in the country. So uh, it'll be – I tell you what, whenever the time comes, though, you and Texas are in the SEC because both very good golf schools. I mean, you could have OU, Texas, Vanderbilt, Alabama, Auburn – Arkansas, Texas A&M, but, you could have all these schools teeing it up, coming down the wire in an SEC championship, which will in its own way be fascinating. That, that'll be electric, but it won't have that much bearing because all of these schools, predictably, will be in regionals. No, that, you're right. Just yeah. based on their ranking. And so that's good news for OSU fans. They might be saying that might not totally understand, you know, just a casual OSU fan that might not totally understand the college golf landscape. It's not going to make any difference what conference OSU's in. They're going to play OU and OSU. It's just going to be one tournament. Yeah, I, I would see the most difference you'll see in is now maybe OU plays in a couple of more of these SEC teams host tournaments. Right. You know, but, like maybe they might play Auburn's tournament. But or there's nothing the, keeping OSU from going and enter, entering that too. Yeah. No. No. That's no not. No one's going right. to tell OSU no. You can't come play. I, yeah. I really wonder though where Oklahoma State ends up. Uh, we've heard rumors about the Big Ten that the Big Ten would maybe potentially, theoretically, be receptive to accepting Oklahoma State. I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. Talks are very early on, very preliminary for Oklahoma State, and uh, I don't know where they'll, they'll end up. I think it could be any I, of the other three. It obviously won't be the SEC. They're going to 16 with OU in Texas. They're not going to the SEC. Oklahoma State could end up in ACC, Big Ten, or Pac-12. Could end up in none of them. I, I mean, it's what I'm everything's hoping, on the table. What I'm hoping for is 
three 16-team conferences that are basically comprised of the big boys, and then you have another 16-team conference with teams like a Tulsa, you know, the to you know, uh, talk about Tulsa a little bit, and we got a good Twitter question that said, uh, "Let me pull this up here, Colby." Uh, that said, "Give me one second. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here, here's one thing I'll say while Sam's looking that up. I mean, how how lucky are some of these other schools? Like, for example, I know they talk about they bring in the New Jersey market, but Rutgers is absolute trash, and they're in the Big Ten, and it's like <laughs> they're just stealing money." And it's like, how lucky are some of these schools to already be in these conferences? Because they're not going to – I wish these conferences could be like, oh, hey, you really suck and you don't bring in any money. We're going to kick you out and bring in a better school. Right. And but 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 they're not going to do that, and they can't do that. So I think it's very fortunate that some of these schools that aren't as good as some as the schools that are now trying to get in these conferences already have their spot secure. Yeah. Well, and and then we talk, but then you have to go into a deeper conversation about competitive versus. Revenue because Rutgers is horrible, but Rutgers get. I mean, Jersey is loaded with people, it's loaded with TV sets, and I honestly don't know yeah. if having Rutgers makes you more valuable monetarily. Yeah, because competitively, no, but it's, monetarily, they might add value. It's just like the whole OSU versus Arizona or Arizona State, right? They're, they're Arizona and Arizona State have more TV revenue than yes. Oklahoma State does. In, uh, obviously, you know, Oklahoma State doesn't travel quite as good as what, like a Alabama or Which OU. conference would y'all want to see OSU in if you could? Pac-12. Pac uh, you'd want Pac-12? I want to see them in the SEC. Well, well I'm, I'm saying of the other three because the SEC is already going to be at 16. I know, but eventually. I don't think it's realistic. What, which one would I want? Not right now. It's not realistic okay, right now, Okay, how about eventually. this? Between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC because that's more likely I, in the near future. I, I want to see them in the Pac-12. See, I'd say I would want to see them in the Big Ten. I think I'd want to see them in the Big Ten. They would, they would get smoked in the Big Ten. I mean, by Ohio State and Michigan, probably. But yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State would be, I think, a top five football program, uh, probably a top five basketball program in the Big Ten. A yeah. top five, definitely a top five I, golf program. I in the do want to talk about where Tulsa lies and all this real quick because okay. I got a good Twitter question from Brett Dixon, and he said to bring this back to golf. Uh, if Tulsa gets pulled into the Big 12 light, <laughs> I like how he put Big 12 light. That's pretty funny. Uh, any chance of men's golf returning? Hard to imagine a better rotation of courses in a similar mid-sized city for recruiting purposes. You're exactly right. There are a bunch of really good courses, and we did have a great rotation when I played at Tulsa. The problem, Brett, uh, is that it has nothing to do with what conference we were in, and it has nothing to do uh, with recruiting or how good we were as a team. Um, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I can't get into on the podcast that I believe happened, but uh, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, you know Tulsa has a really good women's program right now, and I don't think that conference realignment has anything to do with Tulsa bringing the men's golf team back. Now, I would be an advocate, advocate, I am an advocate of them bringing it back now that uh, all the, you know, idiots that made that decision are gone. But, uh, you know, the, the athletic director, Greg, you know, he's gone and he's working for the NCAA, shocker. Uh, and so, basically, you know, I, I, I don't think that conference realignment has any bearing on that, but we could get down a deep rabbit hole of why Tulsa doesn't have a men's golf team, but conference realignment has nothing to do with it. Well, and, and I'll just say, I think the chances that Tulsa finds its way into even a reworked Big 12 
are less than 0.00001%. What do you think of my idea of having one conference that's just all the mid-majors, basically like a Tulsa, UCF, a a Baylor, put the private schools in there, Baylor at TCU. Basically take all the best group of fives and put them in one conference? Yeah. Well, Baylor will and, and TCU would be like the big dogs of that conference. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you put like a it'd basically be like a conference USA American uh rest of the Big Twelve mix. Right. Yeah, man. I don't know. And then just, and then mix in the big or Pac twelve and Big Ten. See, I and I don't really know because some schools in the Big Twelve I still think have a lot to offer to a power conference. I think Kansas no, no, with basketball. I, no, no, no. I, I'm saying after they all go their separate places. I got you. I got you. But there are some schools in the Big 12 that I don't think offer anything to a power conference. Kansas State. Kansas State can go be a group of five. Kansas State yeah. won't be better than UCF. They won't be better than Boise. Kansas State's never won a national title in any program. Kansas State doesn't add value to a power conference. Uh, I mean, does Texas Tech add value to a power conference? I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know that they do. I, I have the. I have the answers you seek. Okay, I have. Hit me, hit me. I have over the last. This was in 2019. This is total school revenue based off of athletics. Obviously, Texas was number one. OU was number eight. So these are the reasons why they want to move to the SEC. Are there any schools that you guys would like to know about? For example, I brought up Rutgers earlier. They're 39th. They are ahead of. Big 12 schools such as Texas Tech, Iowa State, OSU, which was 45th, Kansas State, which is 48th. The only Big 10 or Big 12 school I can't find on here, and I even uh, command F'd it, that's Baylor. For some reason, they're not listed, but every other school seems uh, Baylor's to- a private school, so they, they don't ever oh. release data. Okay. I will say, oh, to there bring you go. it back to golf real quick on Rutgers, uh, OU got the big-time transfer did. from Rutgers uh, that – you know, is taking that graduate year, whatever, you know, the COVID yeah. year and, and transferring to OU, uh, uh, got her up. Chris got her up. And he was Big Ten Player of the Year. And, yep. and going through this, it seems like the the Power Five school that makes the least amount is uh, Washington State. And it's their 54th. And then uh, Oregon State's 51st. Cal, surprisingly, 49th. Then you get into Kansas State, 48th. So if you're anywhere below that 40th mark, you're kind Where of... Where does Oklahoma State rank? 45th. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, OU was 8th. Now, I'm assuming this is including money that you get for conference TV deals? Uh, this Yeah, this is total school revenue. Okay. And, and it's minus with the expenses and Bama as well. Is, right. Bama is 7th. Yeah. Th- this is the order. Uh, Texas, a- Texas, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Penn State, Alabama, OU, Florida, LSU. That's and you your got to remember 10. that Georgia is way up there, too, because they have big cities such as Atlanta. Right, right. Absolutely. So, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out with conference realignment and how it impacts Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, I think we kind of have a pretty good idea of what's going on with OU. OSU is still very much up in the air. Shall we turn our attention to Twitter to our listeners? Yep. We asked this morning for our listeners to let us know if they have any questions or to tell us about their latest golf success. We'll start with Tom Blake, uh, who messaged me back on my Twitter account. John Blake? Tom Blake, <laughs> cousin probably, nephew maybe, said, uh, made my first eagle playing Beth Page yellow last Thursday. Second handicap hole, 410 yards. Hold it with a five iron from 171. He said his playing partner, and this is a direct quote, said, I'm pretty high, but that's in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is oh, hilarious. That's, brilliant. Good that's how you play golf. <laughs> what, else, what else we got on the Twitter? Uh, 
Let's see. Brian Metcalf says, uh, what's the golf scene going to look like in the Pac-12 and Big Ten? We kind of just talked about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To the best of our abilities. Because we we don't know where everyone's going. We talked about the Big 12 and uh, the SEC, but the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, like I said, it's not going to have that much difference in golf. I mean, Pac-12 is Arizona State. You know, Arizona State's a good program. Illinois is in the Big Ten. But like I said, conferences don't matter for golf. So whatever conference these teams land in, that's your answer right there. Yeah, conferences matter very little. I was looking in the top 25 for other Pac-12 and Big Ten schools, and there's not much there. So if Oklahoma State does wind up in one of those conferences, then Oklahoma State will likely have a few more conference championship banners coming to Carson Creek. Yep. Uh, We got another one. Uh, It says, my name is Cameron, and I am a junior, and I had success with placing fourth at State this year. So congrats to uh, Cameron. Love it. Very nice. Love it. Very nice. Yeah. On uh, and another question from uh, Carson Wright, good player down in Norman, asks, "Are you coming to the su- uh, to coming to Southern Hills for the OGA Junior Masters? Unfortunately, because of schedule conflicts, we will not be up there, but we will be covering it on our on all of our shows. So yep. definitely, we'll be looking at that tomorrow, and then uh, next time we have a show, we'll cover the winners. That's a great new tournament that's just been. I think this is the only the second year that they're having it. Have a lot of the great uh, juniors in the state, uh, boys and girls. So I just, think they just, had some college players." I know that Eckroat and Quaid played in it last year. Yeah, so list all, I'll list off some of the, the names that are sticking out to me here. You got Andrew Goodman is playing, Ben Stoller, 6A champion. Um, Dylan Teeter and Trey Hill, who were uh, winner and yep. runner up at the State Am this week, give a shout out to that. Both and, and I was gone. I knew they were in the finals. Did Teeter win? No, uh, Hill. Trace Hill, Hill won. Trace okay. Hill yep. won. Gotcha. Yep. And yep. then uh, friend of the show, Ryder Cowan's in the field. Um, a lot of other really great players playing as well. Jordan Wilson in the field. Uh, Carson Wright in the field asked the question. So, so yeah, really, really, really good stuff going up at Southern Hills. And I just love the fact that one of the best courses in the state is allowing junior golf to have a great tournament out there. I just got a uh, reply by some guy named Hayden Wood, and it says uh, – I made an eagle in my last round, smiley face. <laughs> well done, Hayden. Yeah. Everybody job, clap for Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. He can't well even done. tell us what hole or what course he was at. Yeah, he's probably lying, bro. And he's <laughs> probably lying. <laughs> and what kind of eagle was it? Did, did you make the 15-footer for eagle on the par five, or did you hole out from 150 yards? That's I mean, technically difference. an eagle is a bird, so you could call it a birdie. So maybe you just made a birdie. Yeah. I haven't made a birdie in a while. <laughs> of course, I haven't played in nearly a month. I haven't made a bogey in a month. Chloe. Okay, so here's in the question. So, I, y'all aren't going to make me play the tips tomorrow at National, are you? Yeah. Like, we're not no, playing it all you don't the way wanna, back. No, you're going to play the silver tees. Well, the the pro- silver tees are about 7,000. Okay, 7,000 is no. a good number. Dude, 7, I can't break rule number, number one. I can't break rule number one, man. <laughs> no, I, that's not breaking rule number one. That playing, is breaking rule number one. Playing from the tips is breaking just the rule of have fun when you play golf. I mean, there's... There are holes at National that I probably can't get to the fairway from the tips. Number if the nine. Wind's blowing. What in the world? Did, okay. What so, was that? Was that a vulture? Did, was I think that I know Bigfoot? what that was. I think I know what that was. My neighbors are getting siding put on their house, <laughs> and I'm betting the, I'm betting there's a guy up on their roof, and they have a dog in the backyard. I have three dogs in the backyard, and they're kind of fenced off. They can't get up to the room we're at, but we just heard a loud howl <laughs> come from the backyard. I don't even know if it was our dogs or, or our neighbor's dog, but uh, somebody is throwing a fit out there. That was but, pretty but, intense. Here was my question. <laughs> I needed to know what yardage I was playing national from because we've got to put an over-under on it. I'm a four handicap, but I've never played it before. I haven't touched a club. It will be about three weeks, probably three and a half weeks since I've touched a club um, before we go out there tomorrow. So I don't know. Over-under? Oak Tree National? What what's, do you think? What's the weather Over under to? at Oak Tree? Yeah, over under for, for, for my score. And you haven't played since 4th of July? Yep, and I've never played National. 
Um, set from the silver tees. Yep, from seven thousand. See, um, even just saying the word silver tees just is like. I am. I, hey, I will say that when you know, like Scott Ver playing, Grant Job, all those guys, they play mostly silvers when they go play. Okay. So can I? As long as I don't have to play a par three, that's uh, two hundred eighty yards. I'll be all right. Colby, I'm setting you at eighty five. Eighty five. That's kind of the number I had in my head. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, if I get it into the low 80s like, as opposed to the high 80s, I think, shoot, I, I think I did okay. If you shoot anywhere in the low 80s, that's good playing. Yeah, okay. You'd have Let's, to play good. Like I, I, I haven't looked at the wind for tomorrow. Wind so. around 10, it says. So. I will say, oh, wind around 10? I will say the greens are soft right now, uh, you know, because they, they're going to redo the greens uh, next year, and so they're, they're pretty soft, and so you can take advantage a little bit for, uh, I mean, in – it's obviously relative. Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing. Uh, I'm showing six and seven mile an hour wind tomorrow. Regardless of what I shoot, we'll post the card. If I, if I shoot 98, we'll post the card. All right, here we go. Before we play tomorrow, Sam, what's your favorite hole at Oak Tree? Number eight. I the love par three. The par three. Really? Number eight with the beach bunker on the even, left. That's not even my favorite part. My favorite hole is 13. You like 13? I love that's 13. A, there's a bunch of great holes well, up there. It was too. my first hole in one. I, oh, oh, the yeah, nostalgia, the nostalgia gets you. Yeah. That makes sense. I'll have my review. I don't have a favorite hole yet. I've caddied out there, but I've never played it. It's hard to have a favorite hole if you haven't played it. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll play out there tomorrow, and I'll okay. figure out what my favorite hole is. Real quick, Sam, do you remember much of the course before they redid it? Uh, no, I had never actually played it before they redid it. I became a member right after it was redone, so I never, I never played I was like, 13 years old when they redid it. I mean, I played it once back long time ago before it was redone, and I the only hole I remember being different was 14. They it didn't change 14. a whole lot. No, it's it wasn't like a complete redesign or anything like that. I was just wondering if you had remembered. I just remember 14 was a lot different than it used to be. You used yep. to be able to blow it way right down there where that creek is. It used yep. to just be a ditch, and you just hit it down there. Yep. And it was short distance between two points was a straight line. I'm yep. just hoping that I don't hit so many shots that I throw my back out. If I do, <laughs> I might have to go to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma, go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. They're both avid golfers. I've got high-quality, individualized patient care at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Total, complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 under the age of 40 spine surgeons in North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, Sam, I believe you said the U.S. Junior yep. are going on. Yeah, so what's, speaking what's going of the on SEC there? golf, uh, Nick Dunlap uh, gets the win in the 73rd U.S. Junior Am. 73rd. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. The 73rd U.S. Junior Am uh, over Cohen Trollio, uh, who is going to LSU. Um, you know, SEC. Yeah. Here's my question. Are I, will not, I will SEC? not ever chant SEC. I will never SEC. chant SEC. I'm going to no. hold you both to that because the day I, that Gaylord Memorial starts rocking with an SEC It chant won't be me. Is I, the day the fan I, base gets burned to the ground. I, I will only do it out of joking mockery. Okay. So if yeah. I do okay. it, it's, it's like a sarcasm joke. Fair enough. Fair I enough. won't even do it at all. I hate that. <laughs> Uh, I, think it's I think it's ignorant. If, if, if Alabama wins a national title while OU is in the SEC, are, are we going to claim it? I, I, we might because that's what every other SEC school does. That's what so A&M I, does. I guess that's what we have to start doing. I don't know if you all know this, but A&M's actually had a dynasty since, since Nick Saban got to Alabama. Yeah. A&M's been working on a pretty healthy dynasty. Arkansas, yeah. too. Arkansas's got a lot of good good football 
uh, seasons here recently with so, Nick Saban's success. Yeah, every time we have an Arkansas golfer on, I ask about the football team, and they just get like extremely furious with me Defensive. for some reason. I, I'm like, I, I don't know why. Is it yeah. is it because your team's total trash? Yes, that's that's why. <laughs> Anyways, if only their football team could be as defensive as they are when we bring them up. <laughs> we, yeah, congrats we, to Taylor Moore. So anyway, the card. back to uh, <laughs> the Country Club of North Carolina, where uh, the U.S. Junior Am was held. Uh, Nicholas Dunlap won three and two over Cohen Trollio. Um, listen to this article, by the way. What writing combining uh, <laughs> combining uh, prodigious power with masterful touch on the greens? Dunlap defeated oh Cohen Trollio, eighteen of West Point, Mississippi, three and two in Saturday's thirty-six hole championship match. Wow! I, know, I watched the waxing poetic. About I know. The How about that? that sounds like a British amateur. <laughs> Who is, I gotta give this there. guy credit. Who is this? But uh, anyways, I got to see a little bit of it, and man, both of these kids can really play. Cohen Trollio has a great swing. Uh, thir- three and two over thirty-six holes. That's I mean that's pretty close for a U.S. junior. Most of the time they end in some blowouts. Uh, uh, interesting, interesting stat here. Uh, in May, uh, Cohen or excuse me, Nick Dunlap shot a sixty-two. Uh, to Monday qualify for the Corn Ferry Tours uh, Simmons Bank Open for the Brant Snedeker Foundation uh, and then ended up missing the cut seven, uh, shooting 75-74. But, I mean, shooting a 62 in a Monday qualifier for the Corn Ferry. Uh, and this kid uh, is going to the University of Alabama. So Alabama looks like they could be on the up and up after having a little bit of a down year for Alabama last year in college golf. Yeah, yeah, and, and j- just to put into perspective, look out for these kids because I'll, I'll list off some of the winners and some of the runner-ups from this championship. So some of the winners here, you got like Will Zalatoris, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Kevin Tway, Brian yep. Harmon, Hunter Mahan, Tiger Woods, obviously David Duvall won it back in the day. Some of the runner-ups, you got Matt Wolf, uh, Davis Riley, Justin Thomas. Um, who else we got here? Uh, Camila Vajegas, Trevor Emmelman, Charles Howell the third. Uh, the best player to ever pick up a club. Mark Wilson finished runner-up here. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... I'm. Did, watch you know, it, did you know Mark Wilson won the Honda? I didn't, actually. Did Is that is that what he's known for? I mean, he I didn't have a lot known. of wins on that tour, but he yeah. won the Honda. And whenever people think of Mark Wilson, they think that he won at the Honda Championship. Yeah. But I didn't even think of it until you just mentioned it. <laughs> By the way, Dunlap becomes the first player to put his name on the trophy uh, from the state of Alabama. Uh, the late Bradley Johnson lost in... Lost the first 36-hole final uh, in U.S. junior history uh, 16 years ago to Kevin Tway at Longmeadow, Massachusetts Country Club. Wow. And by the way, I, I just realized... I just realized as you were talking about that, we totally uh, forgot to talk just briefly about the Monday Evian Championship on the LPGA Tour where Jung Yoon Lee 6 had a five-shot lead going into the final round. Minji Lee shoots a 7-under 64 in the final round and then birdies the first playoff hole to win. So Minji Lee, the winner of the Amundi Evian Championship. And this is a legitimate question that I don't know the answer to. I could probably uh, Google it. How many majors do they have on the LPGA Tour? I feel like every three weeks for the last six months, we've been playing a major on the LPGA Tour. And I don't know if these are backloaded because of the COVID year or how many majors they actually have on the calendar. 
I think they have five because I think it's the same as the uh, senior. Because I think wh- – which one was this, Colby, the Evian? They do have five. This was the Evian. I just yeah, Googled it. it. They have five. Yeah, yeah, the Evian, yeah. So I, I didn't realize they were as close as, as they are. But, yeah, that, I, they used to only have four. The Evian got added a couple years ago, yeah. I believe. I wonder so. if they uh, had some backloaded because of COVID. Because, like, the PGA Tour did. I mean, we don't usually have seven majors in an 11-month span. So maybe the LPGA did too. I just feel like – a ton of major championships on the women's side have been decided here recently. And and no doubt. And real quick, uh, back to the U.S. Junior real quick. Uh, what the champion receives at the U.S. Junior. First of all, they receive a sweet gold medal. And then they receive custody. I like how they say custody of the U.S. Junior Amateur, amateur Title Trophy. Full custody uh, or shared custody? For, <laughs> for one year. I, I would assume it was full custody. Uh, and then if age eligible, exemptions into future U.S. Junior Amateur events so they don't have to qualify for the U.S. Junior anymore. Uh, Does the runner-up have to provide trophy support? <laughs> <laughs> exemption into the 22, uh, 2022 U.S. Open Championship at the oh. country club of brookline uh and then and then uh exemptions into uh the next two uh u.s amateur championships at oakmont and ridgewood country club so that's big time stuff uh and obviously just the nostalgia like you said of winning the u.s junior i got a question all right so it said in there and we're making fun of this whole custody thing but legit (laughs) question right so the tournament's been going on since like 1948 or something like that you give a you give a, a prominent trophy to someone under the age of 18 what has to be the craziest thing that this trophy's seen it has oh, to be some God. crazy stuff, right? I mean, it had to have ended up in a lake at some point. Somebody had to fish it out. Oh, yeah. 100%. Out. Yeah, you go out to a nice little lake party, and you're having a, a rager. Next thing you know, the, the <laughs> your U.S. Junior trophy gets thrown out in, into the <laughs> middle. Is, it, is this trophy designed where you can drink out of it? Uh, like is, there, is there like a cup? I mean, no, it's a, trophy? it's a big. Oh, you can drink out of that thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big you bowl. Can, you can serve. You can serve. Oh, dude, that's a punch bowl. Dude, it's I'm a punch serve, bowl. I'm serving yeah. cheese dip out of that thing. It's a punch bowl. Fondue. It's a fondue bowl. Yeah. Dude, there's no way that thing has not been through hell and it, back. There's no way it's the same trophy. It, it has to be a replica type thing. But it said custody <laughs> like it was the I don't most know, rare. They, I mean, they can refurbish it. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah, just do a little, a, little renovations. Some refurbishing. A little renovations, maybe some I've, hardwood. I've heard some crazy stories about some trophies in my day. I uh, Anything that off the top of your head that can be shared? Uh, off the top of my head, I you know. Don't, you don't have to include names. You can just say, I know this guy. I know. I will not name names. I really won't. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up on this. Uh, but. I know it was the stadium trophy. The Oklahoma uh, Stadium the trophy? The Oklahoma Stadium trophy. Oh, no. And, and I know a balcony was involved. I'll leave it at that. I think, oh. I, I think I've heard this story. But, uh, <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady threw the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat over the ocean. So they had to have a dive team go out there to get the Lombardi trophy. Also, I want to ask y'all, did you see the video of Tom Brady playing catch with a pitching machine? That is fake. It's fake. You think it's fake? It's 100% fake. It's just like the golf video that he did putting, and he was rolling in 40-footer after 40-footer. That one was fake, and I'm saying this one's fake as well. I don't think this one was fake. There's no way you're knocking it over from farther away. He threw a missile. He threw a (laughs) missile, Sam. It's fake. It's fake. I think it's real. You think it's fake or real, Taylor? Or have you not seen it? I, I be honest with you, I saw it like four days ago, and I couldn't remember what I, what happened. So he threw um, it into the you know balls machine. Yeah, like the jugs machine that has the two wheels, and you shoot a football out between it from like fifteen yards away. He threw a football three times in a row 
into oh, the right, jugs machine right. Man. and threw it back at him. But the third throw from like 25 yards, he knocked it over. There's no way. It's fake. It's That's, someone who's really good at Photoshop or whatever you call it. Because the putting thing was It was sketch. a deep fake. Either that or somebody who's really good at throwing a football. Watch, watch this. Pause the podcast, Colby, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you all this video, and then we'll come back. We're back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast. <laughs> it's We're fake. back. It's Okay, so we watched the videos of Tom Brady putting. We watched the video of the jugs machine. It's not, The putting one, I think, was fake. Yeah. The, the putting, putting one was definitely The second fake. one, because the second putt on the putting video that Tom Brady has on his Instagram, the ball, the last three feet goes in the hole too fast. But, but yeah. I'll also say this. I think the, the, the golf one's fake because Tom Brady's not one of the greatest putters of all time, but Tom Brady is one of the greatest throwers of the football to have ever walked the planet yeah, Earth. Yeah, but you got to look at the evidence here. It's the same angle. The same angle, so I think that something has to do with the angle of the video being on the right of him a little bit, like at a 45-degree angle, right and behind. And the ball doesn't rattle on the jugs machine. I think it rattles. I think it rattles it a little. It seemed to rattle on the second one more than the first one. The yeah. first one seemed like it was... Whenever I saw the first one, I thought fake, and I saw the second and third one, I said, man, that looks... If that's fake, but, that's really good fake. But if it's a if it's a really good video team, if it is fake, because when he knocks the jugs machine over, the jugs machine still shoots the ball up in the air as it's falling to its back, and it shoots it at the proper angle and it lands back on the field and stuff. So I, I don't know. Maybe I it love, is fake. I love Tom Brady, but I I think it's fake. Maybe it is fake. Who knows? Uh, all right, good stuff. We missed anything today? I think we covered it all. We got a little Olympic preview coming up uh, probably tomorrow. It starts Wednesday, doesn't it? Yep. Does, now, will it be on mega early Wednesday our time, or will it actually be, be played? It'll be late because... It, it, it's Thursday there, so it's... It's Thursday It's the there. opposite of okay. the British Open, so it'll be prime time. Okay. Okay, very nice. Very nice. Okay, so we're, depending on schedules, because we're playing national tomorrow, depending on schedules and stuff, we'll either have a preview out for you tomorrow by midday or Wednesday morning. One or the other, we'll, we'll have an Olympic uh, golf preview, study the course a little bit, and figure out who we're picking to take some medals home. It, yep. should, it should be the exact same coverage we had for the Zozo and Tiger one because they're both in okay, Japan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It should be the same. Okay. So, uh, minus the fact that, you know, Tiger will not, be there and Tiger will be winning. Which, yeah. If Tiger was there, he'd win, just and, for the record. I mean, talk about the pressure on Matsuyama this week. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, big time. I, I will say, you know, having that Masters, that I think just frees him up a lot. I like, think it makes more pressure. See, I think it's still. I, I think either way, he'd be loaded with pressure. But the fact that he already gave that nation a Masters, like that's that's a big deal. Now, I winning know, but, a gold in his home country would but be a winning big deal, the Masters but, raised the expectations. Um, yeah, good question. Oh, by the way, uh, here's something fun we can do before we get out of here. Monday Q info, which by the way does a great job on Twitter covering all the Monday Q stuff. Uh, if you haven't read up or seen anything at all about how the PGA Tour is basically just stealing his content, we, we talked about it last without show. acknowledging yep. him. It's disgusting. It's despicable. Yep. It's I hate it. It's I always credit the source. It's yep. it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the tour what they're doing to Monday Q info. If you're not familiar with it, give it a Google. Uh, but he posed a question four minutes ago tomorrow the Texas State Open. Johnny Manziel's in the field. What does Johnny Manziel shoot tomorrow in the Texas State Open? Of course, it's par 70, 6,900 yards. Nice. Rating of 74.3. What's Johnny Manziel shoot tomorrow? Does it say tomorrow? the course name? What course is it? Texas, Texas State Open is a big tournament. It's a big tournament. Doesn't say the course name here. Yeah, it is a big tournament. He's paired with uh, J.J. Colleen, a guy who's uh, West Texas Driving Range Pro on Twitter, but who's played in some Monday qualifiers and has played in some tour events and stuff. So, uh, don't know what the course is, but... Johnny Manziel, I'm going to give him... Uh, I don't think he breaks 80. I 
I think he'll break 90. I do. He is a good player. I don't think he'll break 80. I'm giving Manziel an 81 tomorrow at the Texas State Open. I, I think he averages, because I think it's two rounds and then a cut. So I think I, I'm gonna get, he's going to average 80 for the two rounds. He'll go 82, 78, 83, 77, something like that. Okay. It, it, his average will be 80. He'll have one low to mid 80 in there. Then he'll have a high 70, in my opinion. Well, yeah. What about this? Have we considered the fact that he played in the SEC where it just means more? So maybe he'll shoot <laughs> 65. That's a good point. I mean, a and is such a, a prowess program. I would love to see a match with like Phil paired with Johnny Manziel and oh, then Tony yeah. Romo paired with someone else. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be great. Speaking of sixty nine hundred yards, uh, Sam Ryder, uh, great finish this week, tied for twenty fifth, uh, sixty nine in round one, sixty nine in round two, uh, then followed it up on the weekend with sixty nine in round three and sixty nine in round four. That in itself is a trophy. That in <laughs> itself is a win for Sam Ryder. You mentioned Tony Romo. I want to throw out he shot plus nine at the Corn Ferry to miss the cut. So let's stop giving these people who don't deserve exemptions in the Corn Ferry events. Yeah, but they boost the, the they boost the purse. Ah, still, God bless. Give someone else who deserves a shot, or at least create another spot in there. Quit wasting. That's the better way to do it. Leave Romo in so you can boost the purse and get the extra money. Expand the field by one. I like seeing Romo play. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I feels too deep anymore. I don't lose sleep about it, but I, I. I would rather them just expand the field by it, one spot for it's, Romo and Steph. Yeah. Put Romo it, and Steph in the same events and let them play in the same group. It, Televise it. People will love it. But don't take other spots away. If just at one point in my lifetime someone who was was a celebrity playing in a golf tournament made a cut, I might actually change my opinion. But it's never happened. Never Steph, make a cut. Steph got close. Oh, Steph, did course Steph only, got close. Uh, ca- close. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. You know, you played some horseshoes, Sam, so you yep. know that. And with uh, mid-irons. Close doesn't mean shit. Horse, horse counts, close counts with mid-irons. <laughs> by the the way, uh, I want to ask you guys this question. Did Keith Mitchell in round three of the 3M have the most disappointing 66 of all time? Well, he's seven, yes. he, seven he, under through seven. He was seven under through seven and played his last, uh, let's see, 11, 11 holes, holes uh, two over par. Yeah, that's uh, that's brutal. Brutal. Just a bad round of golf. <laughs> Just a bad round of golf. Just a bad 66. I mean, he's on 53 watch and he shoots 66. <laughs> no. He underperformed by 13 strokes. Imagine how nervous you'd be, though, after, you know, birding your first seven. You know what that would be, yeah. though? That'd be the equivalent of, like, a, a, let's say, like, a nine handicap starting the round with seven straight pars and then shooting 82. That, like, that'd be the equivalent. Yeah. I mean, if you're a tour pro, you birdie your first seven holes, and then you don't make a birdie for 11 straight. Not I only mean, don't I, make a birdie, but you play your last 11 two over. I know he walked off the course that day thinking, wow, what a freaking bum I am. <laughs> but you know, so did he love his driver the first seven holes, then stop loving his driver? Is that what happened? I think he loved his driver all week. I think everybody loves their driver. Well, except almost, there's, there's almost a everybody. weird feeling when you get way under par that you just turn into kind of, or at least most people do, not like tigers of the world, but most people, when you get way under par, you just start thinking about it, and you're like, wow. Most birdies you've like, ever started a round with. I had four once, and I froze. I yeah. froze like I, I shot 74. I started my round four birdies, shot 74. It's a blessing and a curse because you're not going to shoot way over par, but you're also... You, you know, get tight. You, you get a little nervous. You get tight. You get scared of shooting too low, and it's like, why am I scared of this? Why am I scared to shoot a, a 59 or 62? Or for I don't know. Some it players to break 80. It's weird. It's like, it, why is it Why is it something to be fearful of? And it of? always it happens. Always is. Well, I, had, I remember one time, I can't remember where I was playing, but I chipped in 
for Eagle on 16 to go eight under on the round. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, because you, you chip in for – you're sitting at six under, which is – I mean, that's really good. But you're not like, wow. Like, it, once you get to eight under, you're like, oh, my God. And like, I just went from mid-60s to low-60s. <laughs> I bogeyed – I played – I parred 17 and bogeyed 18. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. you know lowest, what I mean? You just ra- get tight. Lowest round I've ever shot, I was one over through 10. And it was like, you know, I didn't have a low one that I was protecting, so then I went and made a bunch of birdies. I feel like a lot of times when I start off, when I started off good, it wasn't that I got more nervous just because I was too fat and I got tired at the end. <laughs> so then I was just trying to lug in and get in the best I could. <laughs> you go somewhere cold and play golf. That's what Oklahoma State needs. Go to the Big Ten. Go play in all those northern tournaments. Be nice and I chilly. I will say, Iowa, I played in their tournament every year, and they have a sweet course. Yeah. It's just terrible weather. Yeah. Every I mean, year. That was the worst weather I ever played in college golf. Was in Iowa. I- Iowa City. Really? It was the worst weather, and it, it was like sleeting. My umbrella broke because it was so windy, and it was like, you know, you were having to, like, pick up little, like, sleep pellets off the green. Nice. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a blast. That's yeah. college golf One guy, in a nutshell. One guy broke uh, 80 that day, and he wow. shot 71. Whoa, whoa. It, it was like a 59 on any other day. Wow, that's incredible. Absolutely gained on the field. Strokes gained on the field through the roof. Uh, we'll see how many strokes gained we uh, have tomorrow at National. We'll post our scores, and everybody can either make fun of us or give us a lot of credit. Uh, play with Taylor's dad as well, who's probably a, a mid-handicap. So we'll, we'll post his score, too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Coming off of surgery, Randy's going to truck it? Oh, oh he's Randy's gonna a beast. He, he's going to go play up from 5,900 or however far it is. So he, <laughs> Playing the burples yeah, the, on the front fringe. Randy's going to be teeing off in the back of the fairway <laughs> on every hole. He's going to play where the, the local ladies group plays at, whatever that the front tee box is. He's, oh. he's going to bet me a club special on the round and play from 2,000 yards closer. It's <laughs> <laughs> my guy. It's so smart betting. Is All Mc, right. What about McCray? What's his game like? Uh, I think he might have given up the game. I think he might have given up the game. Oh, he's not playing? I don't no. think so. He might be out there. He had. So. Uh, he was diagnosed with MS a few years ago. He actually had to go to Russia to get treatment and all that oh, stuff wow. because it's M- not. McCray Roofing, our good buddy, by the way, having us out tomorrow. So, shout out McCray Roofing, Jeff McCray. Good people. Go there see him. Is. Give him a call. All right. Good stuff. Good show today. Uh, some more Olympics to talk later in the week. Make sure you come back and join us. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.